It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Gamecock football. Never been more excitement about South Carolina football than there is right now. I've heard all the stories of the great George Rogers out back in 1980. He made the whole nation holler. And I've seen that photograph of young Steve Tannehill of an old Dust Valley signing his name on the field. Yeah, and I love the year 2001 if it Williams Bryce Rock. Can I say I'm just a big old car? Well, you know I've come from a long line of cops just like me. Who All right. Good morning. Thanks to Jamie Bradford for putting that together for us. Yes, thank you. Kind of similar for the J.B. Goldwater last year. We, we, you know, we. This is not necessarily the big Gamecock preview show, but you get the idea. A little uh, sound mix to get you going on a Friday. The sweet relaxation of a Friday afternoon or Friday morning, if you will. A uh, little head into the afternoon. I always, I always like Fridays. I walked around yesterday, Phil, after that bizarre awesome show we had yesterday yeah <laughs> i mean uh, yesterday was a was a daggum for, tour de force uh you, you had uh ga right off the top mm-hmm. uh great interview and uh chris phillips always brings it excuse me i'm having the hiccups a little i hope i don't i hope this doesn't happen the whole show hiccups are terrible Oh yeah. Yeah, somebody needs to scare me or something. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Boom. And then, then all of a sudden the Nana's porch chat box gets out of control. And then yes. we start talking about different ways for Todd Ellis to call touchdowns. That's right. Just everything flies off the rails. We had a great time though, yeah, man. It was so fun. So fun. But uh, you know, I kind of water on yesterday. We had to go to high school football game last night. 
had to take some coaches to task last night or this morning, high school coaches around uh, my neck of the woods about our kid. But, uh, and I'm not that kind of guy. I just, uh, you guys know, I mean, you know, I kind of, sometimes I know what I'm looking at and I'm, it's baffling to see certain decisions, but uh, who knows? I probably need to go to practice, see how the kids practicing. But, um, you know, that's kind of the thing there with uh, with that. So, yeah, I had a weird day yesterday. I kept thinking it was Friday because I was at a high school football stadium. Uh, and it wasn't. It was Thursday. And I was like, kept thinking about it. Hey, I got to get up and watch the Gamecocks tomorrow. And, and no. Um, Not yet. Yep. But uh, I just – I'm at peace and relaxed today, Phil. I just uh, – I, f- I feel kind of good about the game, better than I did earlier this week. Of course, I think everybody does that. Like right. Mondays – there's no shot, you know, mm-hmm. better look better in a hurry. This is ridiculous. And everybody's so grumpy about the week before by Wednesday. Everybody's like, oh, hold on. Now we probably can win. And then, you know, and then you, bad. Yeah. Yeah, you hear the, the different breakdowns of the game, the analysis, Scott Van Pelt, I think has Arkansas an upset alert tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think uh, any of our other media friends will, will probably do that because they've been kind of pro Arkansas off season and for good reason. Arkansas's got a really good team and a good program and uh, two good coordinators. And if you look at what happened, you know, last week, they beat a good Cincinnati team, uh, was not flawless, uh, and neither was the Gamecocks. And and I think the Gamecocks uh, beat a good team as well. But when you've been through the years of offensive ineptitude, uh, you know, you're kind of hopeful when you add those parts, uh, if you follow the program, that you get more than 306 yards of total offense. Uh, you know, against a, a, a group of five team. Uh, that being said, other teams have struggled with Georgia State and lost or almost lost. Gamecocks won by 21. So, uh, you know, get that game. Don't schedule them again as long as Sean Elliott's there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, down the road maybe. But uh, that was a, that was a brutally tough, uh, brutally, uh, brutally tough night on offense. But went back and watched it. We're going to talk to Michael Flint second hour. And he's uh, my understanding is he's gone through the game tape. He's broken some things down as far as the blocking goes. Uh, the and I'm curious to see what exactly he says. But the gist of it to me is, you know, and and the coaches said this too. It wasn't all on the offensive line. Right. Offensive line did not play well. Let's not let's not make let's not make excuses, right? Um, but the blocking on the perimeter, Phil, and we were talking about this before we we launched the show today that. Um, I think Carolina could have had 150, 200 more passing yards, maybe not quite that much, uh, with better blocking on the perimeter because they tried to, you know, kind of throw those bubble screens and stuff, and they kept getting blown up. And guys, are, I mean, there's one play where two guys, Jaheim Bell and Josh Fan, both missed a most, both just whiffed yeah. on blocks. And I, it was either Juju or I think Juju was the one that had the ball, maybe not, maybe somebody else. And, and you know, it could have been. 20, 30 yard game, mm-hmm. uh, but the execution wasn't there. So, you know, and, and, and like I said, I, I said this on the Big Spur, I said it this week, and, you know, as many questions as I, I've had the last two seasons, this one included, <laughs> uh, I'm just the Beamer era about Satterfield and his scheme. You know, as far as the play calling goes, I can't really fault, you know, I mean, look, philosophically, sometimes, yeah, you want to line up and smash a team. It's going to be active and and, and the, the fire ant type defense, right? But but you looked at it and you know if the receivers had blocked better, 
the receivers that caught the ball on the edge, I mean, they, they'd have still been running in many cases. I mean, it, oh. it, the, they could have had several huge explosive plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, the good news is, Phil, I, that, those types of things like perimeter blocking are easily correctable in practice. Right, uh, right. Yeah. You've seen the guys out on the edge block better before. So, you know, receivers – have a, they will have a chance, I think, Saturday, if, if Rattler's on and can get some time, to have big games catching the ball, running the ball, all that. But they have to kind of work in cohesion, in my opinion. And and the ones that don't get their number called, they, they need to get out there and block. Right. Yeah, that's your job. <laughs> I mean, I understand if Amari and Brown isn't the best blocker out there, right? He's, he's not, not a big guy. Yeah, that's not his but, game. <laughs> the rest of these guys, Juice is 200 pounds, Wells is well, – Juice as well. So Van is 200 pounds. I mean, Xavier Leggett's 215. Uh, Jaheim Bell, when he's out there, is a big guy. So, uh, you know, there's really no reason they, they shouldn't be able to block a little better. And if they do, uh, and those plays are there, because you attack everybody different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carolina could have a successful game. So looking back at the, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk to Flynn about it. And we're going to talk to him about the scheme. Uh, he's been breaking film down. Bless him. <laughs> uh, he played the game and so he knows so we're going to talk yeah. to him at noon uh top of the second hour and then in between now and then it'll be me and phil kind of talking about the game and we're also all going to get into the okay sorry I, I forgot to do two things the poll the poll's up today on the bigspur.com also on twitter it's very simple will south carolina pull the upset saturday yes or no. <laughs> um, no other up, option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cocky, Carolina faithful, cocky faithful says gun to my head. No garnet glasses. Yes. Um, and so we got that. And then I think so far from what I've read, the yeses are ahead. Phil. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of positivity out there. Yeah. A lot of positivity. Kind of like, kind of like that thing where, you know, as the week goes on, fans get more positive. Bigspur.com with 58 votes so far. 56.9% say yes. 43.1% say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the the balance on the Big Spur between, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of people in the middle that are level-headed. It's 80% of the fan base on that site. Mm-hmm. And then 15% never – or 20% don't ever want to hear any – or 80%. So 10% never want anything negative and, and 10% never have anything positive to say. So, you know, the, the middle ground here is fluctuating towards the game guys have a chance. And I agree with them. Uh, would I pick them to win? Probably not. Cause uh, I always have a hard and fast rule. I, I pick, pick things based on what I've seen. Now I know my prediction last week was out of control. Uh, and uh, this is another reason why I hate making picks because right. my philosophy has always been there's a scenario where you can win in most instances. There's a scenario where you won't, you know, and, and football is all about how those scenarios play out within the course of a game. Um, You know, I'd much rather play the spread because I can kind of, I can, I can do that better. Right. than just giving Mm -hmm. a full prediction, but anyway, I do it because people ask me to do it and that's fine. Um, You know, and last week I hadn't seen anything. So I was basing it on guesses. And I was completely wrong. <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what's happened. So there's the poll question. Our number one, as always, is brought to you by Sydney Searfoss Realtor, Caldwell Baker Kane, my hometown of Spartanburg. Please take advantage of her services. She's a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. 
you can see her. Sometimes we promote her on social media, on our Instagram page at Inside the Gamecocks, also on Twitter at The Big Spur Pod, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Inside the Gamecocks. Or you can actually just type in InsideTheGamecocks.com. Actually, I think that takes you to YouTube now. Never mind. That takes you the YouTube page uh, that we have. We also stream on YouTube. Please go hit subscribe on that page. Many of you, hundreds of you have. Uh, and we appreciate that. Also appreciate our Arkansas fans who have been interacting on the YouTube page. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of hot, really nice, nice folks. A lot of complimentary folks. So uh, that's a good thing right there. All right, Nana's Port Chat Box, which uh, it's kind of our, I don't know, ground. What, what, it's Shakespeare, like when they did the plays at the Globe. What, what, were, what were they called? Uh, is it, was it the groundlings? Yeah, groundlings, the rowdy groundlings, yeah. right here with the Nanosports chat box. The chat boxers. Uh, I need to get like some, uh, maybe, maybe a pin, like a, you can put on your shirt or something. Yeah, chat uh, boxer to the chat boxers. I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll, do that. we'll do that down the road once we're you know we get syndicated and all that. Anyway, uh, Craig is always early in. The Carolina Empire is actually the first one in. Good morning. Craig yeah, says, Friday, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, John says, uh, good morning, all. Swaying on TBS. John, Pacific Northwest. was one of several of the show's mm-hmm. listeners that, sure. that catch the show in the Pacific time zone. So what time does that come on in the Pacific time? It's, it's 8 o'clock. 8, eight, eight, eight a.m. morning. Bright and so early. We are a morning show in Seattle. <laughs> Uh, Tim says, good morning, VJ. It's game day Friday, y'all. Let's bring the positivity today and go Cox. That's right. Jared says, 25 hours to kick. Let LFG Cox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim was talking about the Patrick Davis song at the beginning. Says, That's a Hall of Fame song right there. It is. Yes, and, and I want to mention this uh, to Tim here. You know, the first time I heard that song, I was outside of the Williams-Brice Stadium. Somebody had it set up. I don't know if it was Patrick Davis himself or what. But somebody had a had a CD set up or whatever. I guess there were still CDs back then, right? In 09. <laughs> uh before the Clemson game. If you guys remember, Carolina was six and five going into that game. Clemson had just won the ACC Atlantic uh for the first time in their program's history. Uh they were favorite coming in. CJ Spiller returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. But the Gamecocks that day, the first day I heard that song started that five-game winning streak with a pretty dominant 34-17 win. Mm-hmm over the Tigers. Uh, so I'll never forget the first time I heard that song. I've heard it, obviously, a bunch of times since. <laughs> but uh, certainly always a, a classic and all that. Clint says, happy Friday, guys. Been under the weather the last few weeks, for a few days, but I'm back. Welcome back, Clint. Welcome back. Woo-hoo. Craig says, hope you're feeling better, Clint. Of course, Josh. Teacher Josh. I'll call him Teacher Josh. Because I, I know Josh a little bit. He's a Spartanburg guy. All right. Uh, happy Friday, boys. Go Gamecocks. Beat the bacon out of those pigs. Mm, we bacon. will see. Bacon, but, yeah. Mm. Speaking, speaking of bacon, Phil, I got I got a text from a buddy that lives in Tallahassee. Uh, and everybody's fired up. It was on Sunday, the day they played. Oh, yeah, I bet. It's a road game. So people there say there's a, apparently a diner. that he goes to. And it's something like the diner, Dino's Diner spe- breakfast special. Uh, it's 10 strips of bacon and a 24 ounce Budweiser, <laughs> but Bud heavy, no doubt. The one with yeah. the poem on the side of it. The, oh, the I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Famous Budweiser <laughs> beer. We know of no other, whatever. It's like a, it's like a beer preamble that's printed on the side of that can. So 24 ounce Bud heavy and uh 10 strips of bacon. 
That's reminiscent of uh, the Burgess Meredith character in Grumpy Old Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man. Uh, Daddy O says, zero reason we shouldn't be rocking and rolling on offense. I, look, man, I there's some chances. I, Arkansas's got a good defense now, and Odom is a good defensive coordinator. He's going to scheme them up. But, yeah. I, you know, and, and look, just like Carolina can improve from week one to week two, so can Arkansas on that side mm-hmm. of the ball. Uh they will be missing some DBs, but like I said all week, they're, they're replacing, kind of replacing talent with talent. Um, and so we'll see what happens there. Carolina Empire says the offense is going to have to drastically improve to beat Arkansas. Yeah, I think the key there, it may come with the perimeter blocking a little bit. Obviously, the line just can't get beat, right? The offensive yeah. line. Um, and they need to be able to try to run the ball. But uh, I also think, you know, the, there's a certain type of way they could attack it. And if Rattler's on and the receivers are catching the ball, uh, you know, there's some creativity there, balance. I can see Carolina having a good day on offense. It's just one of those games, I think, too, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to throw to open up the pass. I mean, to, to open up the run in this one. You're gonna have to pass to open up the run. Because yeah. I think, you know, it would be foolish to not try to attack the middle of the offensive line, you know, and <laughs> and be in Rattler's face seeing what is coming off a of film. So we're going to have to do better fundamentally on the edge because that's where, you know, you're going to have to throw the ball to the perimeter and then we got to yeah. block yeah, <laughs> and get it yeah, out quick. And I, I think when you're able to run quick game and tempo and throw it out of the perimeter and get, get to go fast, that's, that's, that's when things downfield can open up for you too. Oh yeah. Uh, it's not just, you know, run, 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 throw it over the top. Like, you know, Georgia used to do under Mark Rick <laughs> out of the eye. I mean, that's kind of, I don't know. Daddy O has a, uh, an idea. Touchdown Carolina. Ooh, Barracuda. <laughs> this is going to go on all year, right? That's right. I love it. Uh, VJ says if the offense comes up with at least five explosive plays in the game and the defense and special teams with the turnover battle, the USC wins. Turnovers are something we probably hadn't talked about enough here this week, Phil, because yep. you go on the road, you turn the ball over, eh, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rick says 24 hours to go. Be sure to wear whatever you had on for last week's game. What's everybody's game day superstition? I like to have brunch if I'm watching wow. on TV. Mm-hmm. If not, if I'm at the game, I always have to go by my friend Rod's comment. Even if I'm not like primarily, I prefer to primarily just hang there most of the time. But I got to go by Rod's and uh, our guest coming up. Uh, he has a condo right across uh, from Rod's. And so uh, I, if I'm at the game, that that's like the last three times I've been there. That's been a must for me. Yeah. Um, I had a great conversation with Brad Lawing there before the 2018 Tennessee game. Uh, he was hanging out with Rod and, and his friends, and that's always a great time. Uh, so that that's kind of my superstition. I, you know, I, I, I've always worn kind of different things to games, you know, or, or, yeah. or game day. Uh, you know, I, I don't even always have Carolina stuff on. So it, mm-hmm. it, it, that's not been – something that I've done. Um, and of course, you know, you have the hair situation, Phil. Yeah. Uh, right. And I, yeah. I'm not cutting it until, until Carolina loses a game and hopefully, uh, hopefully I won't have to go to great clips on Sunday morning. Great. Let's hope that that haircut comes in December. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm, a, uh, uh, I'm sure you wouldn't mind me saying this. Mike Morgan is calling the Chicago bears game. Uh, the home opener against uh, the 49ers on Sunday on national radio. 
So he's going to be in town Sunday. So I've got kind of a quick turnaround from Saturday's festivities to getting downtown and uh, meeting up with him after the game. You know, nobody ever comes and sees me when I'm up here. So uh, it's good. <laughs> good to see Mike. You know, hey, we'll miss you guys. Well, that work um, brought him. Yeah, work brought him to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I told I told my fiance, I was like, look, a loss on Saturday. I'm getting out the Clippers and you just, you just take care of it. Just take care of it. That's just right. That's right. Just take care. Um, Lucky T says we have to be better supporters of our team if we want them to get better. I, I agree to a certain extent, but I also think that uh, I, I think last weekend, Lucky, I mean, shoot, that's the biggest crowd for a group of five game in a while. <laughs> I mean, even an opener, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 but I understand like, the positivity, negativity angle, and and all that, and fans on the internet are always going to kind of be of, of any school. They're going to be split down the middle. And, and honest, you know, you know, what's crazy about it, you know, having worked in this business for a while, when you meet people that like are kind of jerks as posters, many times they're very nice people. Like in real life, they use the websites and Twitter or whatever as kind of an outlet, but they're super duper people. Uh, and then sometimes your people that are like overly positive, uh, they're not right. Yeah, <laughs> they're not. I mean, you meet them in real life, and you're like, you're kind of a butthole, sir. Mm-hmm. Can I say butthole? I guess butthole is like a, like a I guess I don't know. Yeah, why not? Um, anyway, Raheem says, Raheem, 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 Raheem Sprinkle, quick history question. I'm sure we weren't the first, but we were one of the first teams to mix up uniform combos and colors. When I look at older highlights, I see combos ahead of their time. Uh, yeah, back in the day, uh, like in the 80s, I, I thought the 80s in a lot of ways, or maybe the golden years of Gamecock uniformed them, right? You know, because you had the, the black jerseys, and you know, Joe Morrison came along, he started emphasizing the black and the garnet. Um, you know, the, the, the 84 team wore all garnet, I think, a lot of the time, garnet helmets. Uh, and then 87, 88, you had the black jerseys at home with the garnet helmets and white pants. Many people think that's the best uniform combo in, in school history. Um, so, yeah, South Carolina mixed and matched. And last weekend, we had a fastball, right? Yeah. Because, um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and look, for the record, Chris Phillips wasn't wrong about the uh, – the uniform combo he said, he, I mean, he had a good source and, you know, they, I think they just switched it up at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, decided whatever, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, and they ended up going with the black helmets and all garnet at home. Uh, so we'll see kind of, we'll see what they come out with this weekend. My guess is probably stormtrooper look. Yeah. Stormtrooper. I like that yeah. look. Yeah. I do too. That's my favorite mm-hmm. road uniform. And uh, I think just because of, when I came up, uh, the 80s, 1987 home jerseys with the, the black jerseys with Gamecocks on the front, the Garnet helmet, um, that's kind of my favorite. But, I, you know, you could ask 20 different Gamecock fans what their favorite UD combo is, and you're going to get uh, 20 different passionate answers. That's right. <laughs> passionate answers. Plenty so, of opinions about it, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, Rakeem. Appreciate it. Clint says – I would like to see Rattler use his legs a little more to get yardage. He's a capable runner. I agree. That's one um, of my keys to this game. Uh, <laughs> got, got to, go. Rattler's got to be more involved in the run game. Get a little zone read. They have zone read and stuff like that in the playbook. They ran some in the spring game. Uh, I think Satterfield was actually asked about that. 
mm-hmm. uh, about Rattler getting involved in the run game. And he's like, yeah, you know, and he just kind of said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Craig says, may go get a few dozen oysters for mid morning. Oh, yeah. See, like, okay. So the brunch place we go to up here that has the oysters on the half shell, it's like way like far. Because you got to be careful. You can't go in there and have brunch and watch a game. But uh, love me some oysters. But, you know, back in South Carolina, I'm all over that. Mm-hmm. John says his superstition is do chores around the house like a maniac to build positive mojo. I've actually done that before, too, before a game. I'll get up with a honeydew list a mile long, and, you know, my butt is grass if I don't get it done. Right. Uh, but it kind of feels good because it kind of takes your mind off. You, you know, you're not, I'm not a big game day guy. I'll have it on. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily always watch it. Some people swear by it. I don't necessarily always watch it. I don't necessarily always watch the Fox pregame show either. I'm like, you know, let's let the action start, right? Right, yeah. Um, it might be background noise for me or switch between it and the SEC game day. Yeah, yeah. like if South Carolina – now, if game day comes to South Carolina next weekend, which little birdie told me could could happen. Could? Um then, scenario uh, I could see that happening. Yeah. yeah <laughs> then, then um, you know, I'll have it on the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one, John, right there. Just do true, get get that done. And then, then like when you sit down and watch the game, finally it's nice and clean, it smells good in the house, you know. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> the trash is out, the lawn's cut. Mm-hmm. Daddy O says he listened to Carolina calls last night, and the audio was terrible. Was that on my end or just theirs? I don't know. I didn't listen. I Not followed, sure. I didn't catch it either. I followed John Whittle's very awesome live updates. <laughs> Noah said, seems like both teams may be missing some safeties, and they seem to have backups with experience. And we will be trotting out some promising but not yet proven true freshmen. Uh, that's true. I mean, there's no way around it. Um, you know, curious to see uh, what Nick and Emanuori does this weekend because – I thought he had a spectacular debut, but he is a true freshman. And it is on the road and, you know, all that good stuff. But he is 6'4", 220. Um, and a heck of a play. I, mean, I think that guy, could, that guy could be special in time. Um, but that's a valid concern, Noah. I mean, because – and you know Kendall Browse and, and the Arkansas offensive staff, they, they're probably sitting there going, okay, 21 is a true freshman. Let's see what see, – see, what, see if we can go after him a little bit. Oh, yeah. Colin says, will we employ any read option or RPO read option? They, they have stuff in their playbook. Playbook's very vast. <laughs> uh, and now the wishbone is in the playbook. Yep. <laughs> um, read option, RPO. They, they did run some RPO last week. They're not a huge RPO team. I sort of wish they maybe would do more of that. I think that kind of fits Rattler's skill set. But, uh, you know, maybe not. Maybe not. They didn't run, uh, believe it or not, at, at Oklahoma, from what I was told, Lincoln Riley is not a big RPO guy. He more calls it, calls it and hauls it or whatever. Um, Colin says, I believe Sad is not a fan, but wanted to ask. Bill sure did use it and looked great. Yeah, I wonder if he watched the, the Bills versus the Rams, all this Rams talk all offseason. Yeah, yeah it, did, it did not uh, inspire confidence in me watching the Rams offense uh, <laughs> last <yeah>. night. <laughs> Uh, Joel says, I do not know what the Carol- what Carolina offense is showing up. When was the last time the offense put together two consecutive good to great games under Satterfield? Never. Not yet. Not through, not through 14 games. Uh, Chris says he may, feels like Georgia State may take UNC down. That is entirely possible. 
I, you know, I think that's going to be one of those really high scoring games. Uh, because I, I think with what, what the Tar Heels do on offense and sort of, well, I don't know. Drake, if Sam Howell were the quarterback, I'd say yeah, Drake May is not the most fleet of foot. So if they harass and attack him and he can't get passes off and they can't run the football that well, and Jordan, and then their, their defense is freaking horrible. I mean, who knows what will happen? Yeah. I don't know, man. North Carolina is a seven and a half point favorite last time I checked. I, I'm i probably taking the Panthers to cover. Uh, and, and, that, and, then, and that has nothing to do with them playing Carolina last week. I, I just, I've, I've watched two game, two weeks now of North Carolina football. I think they're asleep at the wheel to a certain extent, on, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and here they go play Georgia State. It's going to be a big game for the Panthers at home. At the formerly stadium, formerly known as Turner Field. And, uh, you know, Elliot and their staff, they're going to look at the South Carolina game and go, okay, we can build on that. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Plenty of good here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but I, I expect a pretty high scoring football game uh, in Atlanta between those mm-hmm. two. Uh, VJ says, with well, a win at Fayetteville, JC should die the mop garnet. And Phil should wear a garnet wig leading up to the UNGA game next week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Belmont, I'd do that. And then the next thing you know, I'd get emails from five different Carolina fans going, it's the wrong shade of garnet. Yeah. That, yeah. You got the wrong color. <laughs> uh, Daddy O says the 80s were the golden years for a lot of things in life. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Okay. 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Tim says, touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Spencer Rattler. I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> uh, Drew asked, do you think Rucker will play this year? I think it's a fair question. Yep. I, I, you know, maybe. I, I'm thinking they get him back after Kentucky, probably. Because that there's an open week between Kentucky and a If they do, if it lingers, he could redshirt. And, you know, it, it stinks because he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that probably also means he returns next year, and they probably are going to need him. Right. Uh, yeah. Drew says also, how do you see the snaps playing out with Christian Peel Smith and Lloyd? I, I think Lloyd's going to continue to get snaps. I think, I think what what will happen with with that is the carries, the inside carries. Uh, Juju McDowell was getting the other night. They'll, they'll kind of use him more like they used him in the bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bill Smith will kind of be the inside deal. Game day would be Carolina or Miami and A and M. Looking at the schedule, agreed. Yeah. Uh, Clint says we'll get game day, assuming that Georgia beats Samford. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. uh, Garrett says App State A and M is a good game to keep an eye on. App State's good. A and M better not overlook them. I think. I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's out there. Yeah, if AM were dumb enough to go play in Boone, I'd say it's going to be closer, but something tells me. <laughs> well, and, and if you're Ab Stacy, you played your butt off last week against the yeah. in state, the big boys in state, and I, I and you lost in excruciating fashion. Oh, yeah. You know, now you got to go out there to Aggie Land. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I'll keep an eye on it, Garrett. You're, you're probably on the summer. I think it's an intriguing game. Well, let them start slow, you know, and then if Fat gets on top of them early, it'll yeah. be a game at the halftime. But I, I just don't see that defense allowing them to continue to move in yeah. the second half, you know. <laughs> um, 
Queasy says he wants to see the Killer Jays, Juice, Josh, Jaheim, Jalen, Juju, with a side of Lloyd CBS. I called the Georgia State upset first. You did, buddy. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Uh, John goes, Phil Gold, Mitch Jeter, boots with the fur. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta stop. We gotta quit. <laughs> this is this is gonna go off the rails again, man. Thirty minutes has it. flown by. Yeah, it is. The Nana Sports <laughs> chat box. When we get back, Bill's gonna tell you about Manscaped. I'm gonna tell you this right now. You can get wonderful Manscaped products by using code Big Spur. Big Spur, twenty uh, percent off, free worldwide shipping. Manscaped.com. But Phil's going to kind of break down some of the products. When we return, don't forget Michael Flint, Heavy X's and O's talk coming up at the top of the hour. But for now, we're going to give you these messages from our sponsors. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? 
Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. I used to be president of the United States, and I love the show with phil and jc welcome back everybody just wanted to remind you that we are sponsored by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle the performance package i know uh, i'm enjoying mine jc i believe you have also had some good success with yours am i correct oh yeah Right. So y'all join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free shipping with the code BigSpur at Manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com by using the code BigSpur. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. Awesome. Yeah, 20% off, free worldwide shipping. You you want to protect your best support protect you want to protect you're thinking about manscaped and all i can think about like protection you know yeah Uh, you want to support our our podcast that that actually helps us you know keep things up and running and you get a great product free shipping 20 percent off just use our code so we can get credit for it uh poll update uh 58.5 percent on twitter 200 votes on twitter 58.5% 58.5% say yes, the Gamecocks will pull the upset. 41.5% say no. Uh, so that's trending towards yes. Uh, probably, you know, without giving away company secrets, probably why I put it on full Friday and not Monday. <laughs> uh, on BigSpur.com, we have, uh, you know, 64 votes so far. I didn't get my Big Spur people to vote in these things. Uh, 59.3 say yes, 40.6 no. So those are uh, trending 60% toward Gamecocks pull the upset uh, on Saturday, obviously. Uh want to thank um, Cindy Searfoss for sponsoring the first hour. Also, uh, we will be going to the Meredith Taylor guest line, top of the hour, to visit with Michael Flint. Mm-hmm. Wando, uh, you can catch uh, his segments uh, if you don't catch him live and you don't catch the podcast version. You can always go to YouTube, and then we have tabs on there now, and it says Wando's World uh, for all his breakdowns. Uh, we also got the interview with G.A. Mangus up there from yesterday. I really would encourage you to go check that out. 
Um, you know, we have all of the mental edge with Sawyer Nix, uh, Keith Allsep's up there. Uh, Got to get a Chris Phillips video up there. I don't, I don't know why I haven't done that yet. Uh, but Chris and, and all the media people, Brad Crawford, whoever we have on, uh, we usually put them right there in categories. So uh, check that out. www.youtube.com slash the big spur. Uh, continuing on, Nana's Porch chat box. Uh, Jared says, do you think Bama covers this week? Yeah, I almost feel like that's a lock. I, and look, maybe I'm being too hard on Texas. Maybe I'm thinking about Texas last year or like the what, Phil, the last 10 years? Yeah, listen, Bama covers easy and Texas looks like a fool. <laughs> I, that's, yeah. I, that's my I, hot take. <laughs> I think they are going to have a hard time in the SEC if things don't change in Austin. But uh, yeah. it's uh, there's some Bama fans going out for the game. I mean, you know, heck, you can't beat hanging in Austin and watching the game and uh, yeah. Sixth Street and all that good stuff. So that's a, that ought to be a, a good atmosphere. But uh, if you're a Longhorn fan, you know, probably just get the, the, the painful whipping out of the way. And go get you a beer and hang out. So, hey, I just, all, I, yeah. everything's still in front of you, Texas, when you lose this game by, you know, 35 yeah, points. Still win the Big 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just going to be disappointing. And I, and I feel bad. I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a Matthew McConaughey fan. Yeah, I like Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as an actor, entertainer, appreciate he's a college football fan, but uh, I just feel bad for it, you know, because that's going to be an absolute slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> You wait. Just wait. Uh, happy, happy, happy. That's a good idea here, Phil. Personally, I'd like to see DJ Twitty used at fullback, freeing up Bell to be used on the perimeter. Yeah, no, they've used, you know, Bell at fullback works, I think, sometimes in short yardage. I like it. And in certain situations, I don't mind them using them here. I would like to see Bell kind of out wide, especially if they're having problems with blocking out there. Jaheim, well, he, well, he missed a block the other day. But yeah. Obvious, but, you know, Jaheim's a capable blocker. He's a big guy. Um, I he's like such he, a downfield threat, too. I mean, you know, get yeah. him up here and throw the damn ball. <laughs> you know, I like, uh, I like, uh, I like DJ Twitty. I liked him in the, in the, um, in the spring game. Uh, transfer from uh, East Tennessee State. Also played at Chapman High School, home of Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. So Lance goes, I just want to see this team show up and play their asses off, win, lose, or draw. Yep. Same Amen. Lance. Amen. Amen. Twisted Chicken says, boom, here comes the boys from South Carolina. He's fired up. Happy, happy, happy. Bill Clinton is a huge fan of Manscaped. I'm sure he is. Yeah, if I would imagine so. Then Monica, here we go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> John says, uh, Texas defense is buttery soft. Uh, Quincy says, not meaning to be political, uh, but I keep thinking you guys are saying Michael Flynn instead of Michael Flynn. I'd like to personally hear what Michael Flynn has to say about it. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, Daddy O says, Texas is going to get everything they deserve from the SEC. I, you know, they got to change something out there. I mean, I don't think they quite understand what's about to hit them. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig says, will we ever see Pickens as a blocker on the goal line as a fullback? I don't know. Uh, that was kind of something they talked about when Zach came in because he played some running back in high school. Mm-hmm. But, man, he – you know, I almost think you, you end up doing too much. I understand, you know, Clemson did that with Christian Wilkins. Uh, 
uh, in a package quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I, uh, I, don't, I don't even think I don't know if this staff has even practiced it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know they try. They 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 scrapped they scrapped the Trey Jones uh, fullback package. Really? Yeah. Mm. So I was a fan of it. Yeah, yeah. Centerfield said that's not going to happen this year in the pregame, so or in the preseason. So we'll sort of see what happens. But Phil, you know, you sort of look at this ball game, and uh, like I said, I, you know, breaking it down, and like I said, we'll talk to Flint about this a little more uh, or a lot actually. But you know, I, I I think that looking at the totality of it, I, I think that. The perimeter blocking situation, you know, is one that probably I think we have a different feeling about the offense. Even though the line couldn't get a push in the run game, mm-hmm. uh, if, if that had gone different on like two or three plays, because I, I think some of those plays would have maybe probably been touchdowns or maybe even our big long gain. So those would probably turn into scoring drives. And, um, you know, you 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 have fast players and and all that out there, but they, they just couldn't get loose. No. You know, you turn him loose. You turn him loose. You know, uh, so I, uh, this is a time to kill, <laughs> Chris. <Kirk. laughs> uh, but no, uh, you know, I I just I, I kind of that was in, that was almost encouraging to me because you look at it and you're like, well, you know. Yes, the interior was a problem, and you know the O line did not play well at all, and and, mm. and all that. But then you, you start thinking about well, the game plan was to attack the perimeter to kind of you know back them off that way. I still would have lined up in power and just drug them down the field until they quit. <laughs> you know, right. but hey, maybe this maybe they weren't maybe the, the the Georgia State defensive front was. You know, good enough to where they could have neutralized that easily. I mean, I don't know. I, I you know, I kind of look at it and I go, "Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense." And you know, when you have execution issues like that, and it was massive too. It wasn't like every now and then the receiver would miss a block. No, um, it just yeah, they. It was through the whole game, absolutely whiffing and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you know, now that I kind of go back and look at it, you know, like like I said, that that's that's more correctable than like, oh, we just got blown off the ball by a very small defensive line, right, right. you know, that kind of thing. So well, that's uh, what, I mean, you know, and the things that we saw go wrong are fixable. I mean, it's not, you know, talent or, you know, lack of talent or anything like that. It's like, you know, blocking is fundamentals <laughs> and yeah. you can correct that. You can correct that. Yeah. And look too, the other thing about Marcus Satterfield, because you, you always kind of worry uh, and like I said, I I stand by every piece of criticism I had of him last year. Uh, maybe I was a little harsh in some instances, I'll admit it. But uh, uh, I'm going to say this, you know, that play on the perimeter, if it's blocked and it goes for six, 40, 50 yards, that's the right play call. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, Coach Spurrier called his share of, of, of you know, uh, those little screens. I think it's, oh, I was going to throw those little screen out there. You know, he had to block. Um, receivers had to block, and that, that's a fundamental play in football. And it wasn't to the point either, Phil, like, because, you know, I got worried because, you know, you hear the Rams talk, and so you automatically read up on what the Rams like to do. And, 
you know, they go and sign receivers that can specifically, you know, you have to be able to block in that system. Obviously, mm-hmm. last night did not go well uh, for them. But they didn't uh, use a lot of 12 personnel last night either, which yeah. I thought was interesting, which is what we were like. Yeah, they got two tight ends in there. I'm like, I didn't yeah, see that. Who knows? That's weird. Um, maybe McVay was experimenting. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but you read about that and you go, oh, that means it's going to be like super complex for the receivers. And they're going to have to worry more about blocking than no that that I didn't see any of that against Georgia State. I saw very basic plays that were the right call against the right defense that guys on the perimeter for whatever reason just whiffed. That's good that's good news because if if you if it was another if it's different, you know, a different situation, uh chances of improvement are very slim. Yeah. Uh, so you know that that's the thing there. Uh and all that. Nana Sports chat box continues. Austin with a funny. He goes, it'll be Birch, and instead he's going to throw it. <sighs> yeah. Well, let's, let's hey, you know what? I think you're going to see it again. I started thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, because all the criticism about Sat, you know, like I said, a lot of it's warranted, but uh, he is, he will throw a wrinkle out there. You know, the no. wish was a dagger let's go wishbone okay you know i think the good thing about that was we saw that later in the game right you know it's not like because the birch pass jesus i mean that was the first drive you know you ran it all the way down and then get cute at the end zone (laughs) you know and against tennessee no doubt which is the right yeah you know you've got a counter punch against those guys you know Mm -hmm. they they're if you watch them this weekend, man, they'll probably get off to a big start against Pitt, and Pitt will have to counterpunch, yeah. uh, preferably by running the football. But I don't, I don't know. Uh, Tennessee Pitt's going to be interesting because I, I think we're going to find out. I uh, so, so the, the problems of a Tennessee this year, everybody's kind of concerned about the defense, right? Because mm-hmm. they they weren't a great defense last season, and they lost some guys and didn't necessarily replace guys with. Uh, those types of guys. <laughs> Does that make sense? So they're worried about the D. I thought, I thought they played pretty spirited against Ball State, but Ball State just like got in the eye formation and gave it to their like six foot three, 235 pound running back and ran it up the middle a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but I, I think it gets Pitt this weekend, man, up, up there in Pittsburgh. We're going to find out how good Tennessee's defense is. Oh, yeah. Or not. Uh, or not. I think uh, – I don't know what the over-under is on that one. But, uh, uh, it needs take, to be at least like 65. I'm going to take the over, dude. I'm yeah. taking the over. <laughs> I'm taking the over. Mr. Andrew asked on the Danisport chat box, what's more likely? Our defense holds Arkansas under 20. Or our offense scores over 20. What's more likely? More, Yeah, yeah, more likely. I'm going to say offense scores over 20, and that sounds yeah. crazy, but, but – if you look at Arkansas, even some of the good – with the exception of Georgia, some of the – well, LSU wasn't a really high-scoring game. But they, they Arkansas games are most of the time like 35-23, 38-23, 31-28. You know, sometimes they get crazy, 52-51, 42-35. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, I, I think that, that if you look at them this year, my, my anticipation – regardless of what happens against Carolina, is that Arkansas's offense is probably going to be a little ahead of its defense. Not that his defense is going to be bad, but I think if you want to beat them, you, you've got to make sure 
then they don't outscore you. You know, and I'm not, and I'm talking about a shootout. I mean, because what they'll do is they'll get to 30, and and let's say you're sitting on 20, uh, and then they stop you, and you have to punt. They're gonna they can run six seven minutes off the clock. Yeah, it's just a game of keep away at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it's crazy. Uh, VJ says defense holds Arkansas under 20 and scores six. Yeah, didn't have a defense. Had two special team scores. Didn't have a defensive touchdown in that game. The other day. That was kind of a a trademark of uh, last year's defense under Clayton White. Um, and, and look, I, I think I think the defense showed a lot of signs of improvement last Saturday night, especially at linebacker. So, you know, they they may not have the liabilities they had at times last year. Yeah. Uh, Austin says Georgia State had really good speed across the board. Not big or super strong, but they had speed. It showed especially on the on the line and on the perimeter. Yeah, they did. They're fast team. Right? Yeah, they, yeah. They were flying all over the field, which you know is was to their advantage. I mean, you know, they just they jumped on us and stayed there. <laughs> you know. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll let you read Queasy's here. This is uh, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. I keep hearing about the Birch play. I'm glad I didn't watch the Tennessee game. Yeah, don't go back and watch the replays either. It'll make you sick mm. of your stomach. <laughs> that, that game, you know, Carolina kind of stumbled a little bit on offense. Tennessee goes right down the field twice. Yeah. Carolina finally gets something going. First time all year, Kevin Harris got loose. Uh, I think Lloyd, Lloyd – Lloyd caught a pass early, but that was uh, – but then that, that drive – so they get all the way down to the two. And, and, you know, the Birch play didn't bother me as much as right before it on first and goal from the two. Mm-hmm. They threw Joyner in, which, look, look. Oh, yeah, Dick, no, that, yeah, you're right, yeah. <laughs> he, and, and, look, Dick Harrion, hero of the bowl game, obviously a big part of the program, not hating on him. But I'm going to say this, that when they just threw him out there to run Wildcat for one play last year, it did not work. No, we got a hundred thousand people sitting there watching it, knowing exactly who's going to keep the ball. Yeah, and knew who's going to keep it. If he'd have given it to Lloyd, Lloyd walks in the end zone. Instead, mm-hmm. he's half yard loss or so, and then here comes Jordan Birch in at fullback. So you're like, oh, well, wow, we're going to try to run it again. Yeah, Birch the ball or, or the decoy. No, they give it to him. He rolls out looking like. Looked like the late Jared Lorenzo. <laughs> I thought for sure he, it was the fullback dive, and I was happy. I was like, "Man, what a great play call! This is going to be awesome." Just yeah. Running, let yeah, let three the score. Big old like, perch get in, and no. so you know <laughs> when we sit there, and I'm like, and he threw it, and that, that that's the game that because uh, these early kickoffs sometimes fill. Nat and I will go to a place uh, on the road called Tavern. They serve brunch or breakfast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 a.m. local kickoff. Uh, it was 11 a.m. Central Time, and and I, I and literally we're the only ones in the bar, right? Because not a lot of Gamecock fans in Homer Glen, Illinois, right? And um, <laughs> you know, only ones in the bar. And 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 Devra, our bartender, was cleaning the tables, right, while we were sitting there watching the game. And I yelled and scared the crap out of her. She dropped her mop. Like her bucket of water. Oh, I can only imagine. Ah! <laughs> so I was like, uh, I think I, I said something about an idiot or something. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I know my neighbors heard me yelling at the damn TV. Oh, <laughs> uh, happy, happy, happy says Rattler's definitely a better quarterback than we've had, but it's extremely difficult for any quarterback to come in and lift an offense solely by themselves. My prediction is Rattler ends up staying two years. Book it. Mm. I'm not getting on board with that right now, and that's not true. 
uh, as far as um, quarterback coming in and changing the game. That's happened a lot. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's not true. That, that would infer you're lying or saying a falsehood. I'm just saying I disagree with that because I've got some – there's so many, many examples of a court, single quarterback coming in uh, with a, to a program, mm-hmm. and um, especially nowadays with the portal and making a big difference. So yeah. um, it, it's one of those things. Uh, Ashley says, I truly expect the playbook to open up this week and surprise us. No way they showed their hand last week after seeing the plan of the bowl game. I think they'll open up more than the special teams playbook. That's an interesting point. You know, I look, the bowl game, I think what they did in the bowl game was that they got a rhythm call in place. Like, like, mm-hmm. bow, like in other words, they're attacking one side, then boom, they go back to Juju, then boom, they'll do this with Jaheim, and then boom, they run Kevin up the middle, and then uh, and then they're switching quarterbacks in and out and stuff like that. The carrying carries, and, you know. Uh, some of the plays were the same. Um, now, there were some plays there in the bowl game. Uh, didn't see last week, obviously. So, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see, Ashley. I, 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 mean, I would I would just go out there and, and, and attack, you know, attack, 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 you know, just attack and execute. Yeah, <laughs> BJ says, rewatching last week's game, I was surprised at how snappy Rattler's throws were, especially in the first half. Easily the best arm talent I've seen in Garnet and Black. I can't argue with you there. I mean, some yeah. of those throws were freakish. Yeah, and that's what, you know, Jamie and Chris both said, is that it just, this guy just is different. <laughs> it comes out different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil, Chancey has a has an interesting one there. I'll let you get that one. Well, maybe we should do a trick play again tomorrow. Yeah, I I like trick plays at the right time. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, even if you open the game up with it, I mean, what you know, what the hell? Throw it at them. You know, yeah. you're the underdog. You know, and you're away. You want to shut that crowd up? Then get sixty <laughs> plus yards on your first play. Um, but it's all about timing. It's just like life. Everything's all about timing. Hey, <laughs> Will Muschamp. To his credit, he did this several times, and, and he actually called – Will Muschamp called two offensive plays whole time I was at Carolina. First one was uh, at Tennessee. Carolina won the game. It was 2017. Dialed up a nine route from Jake Bentley to Brian Edwards' first play of the game. Um, and it, Edwards almost had it. It went right off his hands. It was a pretty good throw by Jake. Uh, of course, Kim Jackson ended up winning an ugly one, 15-9. Could have lost that one. Mm-hmm. Um, to a bad Tennessee team, bad in Knoxville. Uh, and then uh, first half, uh, se- second half against Kentucky in 2019, because he told the sideline reporter what he was going to come out and run. And they did. And they scored. I think they almost scored. Yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> we're, we're close to being two for two on offensive play calls here. Yeah. <laughs> you may have missed yeah. his calling. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. All right. All right, let's go to our break, top of the hour. On the other side, we're going to be less lighthearted and get more into the nitty-gritty of this game, X's and O's of Michael Flint coming up on the other side. It's been a heck of a first hour, folks, here on a uh, fantastic have a fantastic Friday. How about that? That's right. On Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hour number two coming up. It's presented by the Burgess team at REMAX at the Lake. Michael Flynn, coming up on the other side, folks, after these messages. 
If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a Dyer Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game Cox. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. 
Hey, Mo Kaba here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, Inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC Sherbert, Phil Molinax with you, second hour. Brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake for all your commercial real estate needs. Uh, give Adam and those guys a call. Also wanted to let you know about Meredith Taylor, uh, the Meredith Taylor guest line is where we're going to join Michael Flint here in a second. But uh, uh, go follow her on Twitter at M-E-R Taylor. It's Mayor Taylor, not Mer Taylor. Uh, and I, I don't know. She's, she's got some gear up, some golf gear. Looks good. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, she got some yeah. pretty clean looking sweatshirts up here. Yeah, go to McKellarEnterprise.org. I'm gonna buy some, man. It looks looks solid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, encourage you to go check that out uh, if you can. All right, so time to talk football <laughs> with uh, our main man, Michael Flint. Michael, here you've been watching some film, buddy. Right, and I, went, I had to go back and watch the game a little bit. Um, Mm. Hold up, Michael. Hold on. Just a second, Michael. Hold Let's, on. Let's see if we can fix your audio a little bit. Sorry about that, guys. Let's see. Yeah, try again. Let's see if we can't hear him a little better now. Yeah, see if we can hear you a little better now. There. Oh. Uh, he's you hear me a little better? Yeah, yeah. there you go, bud. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh had, had to had to go back back and back and rewatch it a little bit. It's a little different watching it live, you know, in person or on TV because you you know you find yourself following the ball and you really don't see what goes on with the other ten guys or or nine guys outside the quarterback and and you know whoever's whoever's got the ball, you don't see what happens on the perimeter and you know how they got to what they're doing or you know missing blocks or or, or throwing one heck of a block um, for the ball carrier. So had to go back and uh and watch a little more to see what. What really happened with you know was the offensive line? Did they play that bad, or was it more of the guys on the perimeter not doing what they were supposed to be doing, um, you know, to help? So yeah, I had to go back and watch a little bit. So so what'd you find out? Because uh, you know I, I kind of and I didn't go back and, and and break down the whole game, but uh, I did see some instances in rewatching it where a, a better block or a, or a block at all because sometimes they whiffed uh, out on the perimeter uh, could have could have turned into some, several explosive plays and I, and I think had those blocks been made we, we may even be talking a little bit different about the offense today now you're 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 100 right you know there were a lot of times where the receivers or a tight end outside really just I mean involved and then they'll tell you the same thing did a did a terrible job blocking it was a they did a bad job. They missed blocks. They whiffed on blocks. They were in bad positions. Technique fundamentals were were not good. Um, there was a lot of just kind of, you know, they would engage. They would engage with the defensive back and the defensive back did what they want. Sling them one way or another, depending on which way the ball carrier was coming. So the, physic, the level of physicality with those guys on the outside has to improve dramatically to have success this week. Um, the offensive line did have their struggles at times. You know, I think a lot of it, you know, go back and watch. I think that horizontal or wide, that wide zone blocking scheme is is tough. I think it takes uh, it, it really a special skill set because when you go back and watch, it looked, especially early in the game, it looked like our guys were on their heels um, and they weren't, you know, they're, they're, it, it's not as much of an attacking mentality as different styles of, you know, different schemes like the pin and pull. It's more of that horizontal uh, out leverage the out leverage your man and 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 stretch the 
stretch the run game and stretch the field. So it looked like a, a lot of times guys were on their heels. They got pushed backwards, so in, uh, especially in pass protection um, with uh, play action. Um, guys looked they, – they, they, were, they were caught off guard a lot. They were playing on their heels. And I think in the second half it changed a bit. Um, but the guys did, did play well. I think, you know, especially in the interior – um, the offensive line first half to second half did a lot better job playing faster and getting to the second level. Uh, there was a lot of times where that linebacker um, made the play. And instead of a two or three, you know, in, for a two, three yard gain where, you know, the guard or whoever gets to the second level and gets a hat on a hat with the linebacker, that, you know, it's a different story I think we're talking about. But I think the level of play was elevated in the second half. I think the line did a better job of opening up holes. But there was still some challenges. Um, guys just got beat. Um, they just got beat one-on-one situations that that that's that's not good and it, it doesn't make me feel very comfortable but I think there was a lot of teaching moments from that film that I think those coaches are going to go back um, and those guys are really going to work on the technique piece of it um, not being so much on their heels and really firing their hands and not letting this, those defenders get um, you know when you say the hand battles and, and not letting them um, get their hands inside but the perimeter was the one of the one of the big areas that really surprised me of how bad that blocking was, and fundamentally, it just it wasn't clean. And there's a lot of technique things that those guys, and a lot of it comes down to toughness. It's physicality and toughness, and not letting that, you know, not letting that guy beat you. Um, so it's that's going to be a big a big piece of it this week to see how we improve, not just with the offensive line and kind of what scheme we try to utilize more, um, but also those guys on the perimeter. Yeah, you played receiver, uh, you know, for, for Holtz and Spurrier. Uh, obviously, you know, you know, I was talking to people. Coach Spurrier wouldn't let you play as a receiver if you if you wouldn't block. I mean, because that was a lot of his offense. They eat from those little tunnel screens and bubble screens and stuff like that. Um, they emphasized it at practice this week. Um, you know. If it were just the O line, uh, you know that that would be I, I would be much more concerned, right? Uh, but but blocking on the perimeter, I mean, you know, a lot of these guys are big guys. They're, they're tough guys. They can take a hit and hold on to the ball, that kind of thing. Uh, how hard is that to correct uh, with a week's worth of emphasis in practice? It's not that bad. I think a lot of what I saw just simply came down to effort and technique, um, knowing knowing which shoulder to attack, knowing where the where the ball carrier is going to be, knowing who to get. I think a lot of it just comes down to effort, um, effort and toughness, uh, really. Because a, a lot of the times the guys were in good position for the most part. It was just the physicality wasn't there as much. And, you know, I'll tell you, Georgia State, going back, they those guys are coached really well. Um, you know, they did a good job with, you know, the different – style of blitzes um, that they came with. But from the perimeter standpoint, I think a lot of what I saw, it can be fixed. And it really comes down to effort, toughness, and and, and, and play and physical and being better than that guy in front of you. And I think we got some guys that can do that. Did you almost say effort, toughness, and discipline? No, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the most yes thing. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> effort. <laughs> Effort, toughness, and discipline. No, uh, I agree. And, and look, I, you know, you got you got some guys out there that are that are veterans. I mean, man, one of those plays, Jaheim Bell and Josh Van, both you saw two guys. They both whiffed. Yep. On the blocks. I mean, those guys have been around a while. They can block. I mean, you know, which makes me feel better because it, it it's correctable. It's not like they're out there with a bunch of freshmen at receiver that 
you know, they just want to catch the ball and don't really give a crap about blocking. I mean, those guys have been asked to do it before. Uh, and that made me feel a lot better. So, so you mentioned the outside zone. The, you know, obviously, that's a staple of the Los Angeles Rams, which we've heard about all summer. Uh, you know, I Phil, Phil said after watching the Rams last night, he, he did not feel it, it, it did not inspire a lot of confidence in yeah, me. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's the NFL, and I think this may be yeah. a Bills year to be honest with you. I think the Bills, yeah, that's good. true. Yeah. But um, you know, that's kind of that uh, McVeigh. A lot of people run outside zone, and I think Carolina's got players to do it uh, in the backfield. So, so what would you suggest uh, in terms of because you know, like okay, so there was one play, a couple plays, right? I just You've got a guard pulling all the way, almost five yards, four, three, four, five yards, to t- try to block an end, pulling all the way around. Everybody pulls, right? It just seemed like a pretty long way to go. The, the Rams have a, you know, they, and, and I, I don't know the players exactly, but hypothetically, you know, their guy that's pulling it runs four seven, and he was an All American at Iowa or Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah, this is University of South Carolina. You know, I mean, I, I think these guys are good. I mean, I think guys like Trey Jones could move around and stuff, but it just, I think that's a big ask uh, with, with guys at this level. Yeah. And I think a, a, a lot of it really comes down to to the fronts, the fronts of, uh, of, of the, the D line and, and linebackers, that front seven, where they're lined up, kind of the calls that the center makes. You know, it's not not really out of the ordinary seeing some of those guys pull. I think it was a lot of it was just the look of that Georgia State defender got upfield more so than than squeezing downhill, and so it looked more. You know, it, it was you know I think it was for Sean Lee was was out there. It looked like he was out there, but it was I think he was a little shocked that the Georgia State defender was that far upfield rather than squeezing down um, mm-hmm. like he like he normally would. Um, it is a long way. I think a lot of it depends on you know, kind of what, what play is called. But I did like the fact that we saw some guys pulling. We saw some guys getting downhill at certain times. You know, I think, you know, there, there's certain situations that I think that, that, that wide zone is, is, is good where you can set up a lot of play action passing because it's, it's a lot of the same look to where, you know, you run more of that attacking style. It's a little bit easier to tell kind of from a pass protection standpoint from a defensive front seven, is it a pass or is it a run? Yeah. From a lot of the sets, but I think there's also times where you need to attack and get downhill, especially in the red zone, where the deep where that field is shrunk and you know there's a lot lot more guys in the box and you know attack and and put those defense alignment on their heels. So I do think there's a time and a place um, for that. So I you know I think with that wide zone, it takes a special player. I mean, it's kind of you look at you know uh, the kind of people we have at that nickel spot or what we used to call the spur you know spot. Historically, the guys that have played that in South Carolina's defense, whether it be Ellis Johnson or, you know, or, or, or now, a lot of those guys, most, just about every single one of those guys has played in the NFL and, and had a good career. And so it takes a special kind of athlete to be able to play in the box with the physicality that's required as kind of an outside linebacker and then be able to, to, to get out in space and cover. And I think from that technique, it takes a special kind of athlete to really be, you know, from a footwork and athleticism standpoint, because you're expected to move a lot, um, you're moving in, in in bigger spaces, and so the athleticism has to be there. You got to be able to cut guys off. You got to be able to to move and 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 out leverage people. So I do think that that takes a special kind of talent. I think con- from the conceptually, it's a it's a great it's a great scheme, mm-hmm. but you got to have the right type of personnel to do it. And so um, you know, I, 
do we have that? I don't know. Time will tell, you know, how we do these next couple of games versus the, you know, versus the, 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 the teams we're playing. So, but I, I would like to see, you know, I'd like to see a little more diversity um, just to help our guys um, with that scheme. Cause I think you can help your guys by play calling and kind of an example, you know, one example I look at is, is uh, I think it was in the second quarter where Rattler got sacked on a, on a corner blitz on the, the short side of the field. Uh, the Georgia State corner was on uh, it was on the Georgia off the Georgia State sideline to where you're watching film and you can see tendencies that, you know, play callers have. And, you know, interesting to see how often Georgia State, you know, at the short side of the field like that versus certain versus certain formations, you know, a single receiver um, versus, a, you know, a, 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 a two twin, a, a twin four receiver set um, into the boundary. And, you know, Rattler was back there, and I think Marshawn Lloyd missed it. Rattler, you, you could tell, didn't see it, but you could see the corner start to squeeze. So the receiver should have been calling that out, and that goes to the communication piece. But as a play caller, you see tendencies, and it's like, you know, we're susceptible to corner blitz. You know, let me let me roll Spencer out, or let me run a sort of a play action, or let me get an extra guy over there to help. And so I think a lot of that comes down to the play callers actually helping those guys and putting those guys in position to be successful. And I think Clayton White really does a phenomenal job of that on defense. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, Phil, you got something? No, I was just, uh, you know, from what you were saying, Michael, what do you think about uh, the linebacker play this year? I mean, I, I personally think it's improved. I think everybody sees a bit of improvement over what we had last year, especially with speed. I mean, you know, we all love, Damani Staley, but he was slow. <laughs> yeah, I think you look at it. Um, no, I, I mean, I think you look at it. You see, you see size. Uh, uh oh, oh, we lost him. There we go. Oh, hang on. Oh, we can't hear you. Uh, oh, you're. Is he muted? I'm trying to fix it. All right, hold on. We're gonna fix it. No, nope, he's muted on his end somehow. You're somehow muted on your end, Michael. Ah, <laughs> that's well, all right, man. This is a great segment, man. I'm, I'm like, you got uh, me back. Yeah, you go, man. Way to go on. Okay. I don't um, know, man. Technology these days. Many moving pieces. We're talking that's about right. linebackers and, and yeah. Different. So for, I mean, I think you see you see guys that have matured. You see guys that are healthy. Um, experience is a, is a huge factor in 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 the SEC, and I think a guy like Mo Kava coming back from injury. I mean, you look at Marshawn Lloyd, you know, what he's done this year versus last year. You look at Mo Kava coming in off an of injury. You look at Debo Williams coming in. He's a workhorse. He works his tail off. But the speed of the game is different, and it takes a little while to adjust to that. And I think you've seen those guys adjust, and they've provided depth. And I tell you, seeing Mo Kava, he reminds me a lot of Ernest Jones. He's physical. Yeah. Um, he plays downhill. And, you know, seeing him, you know, it really reminded me of, a, of, of Ernest Jones, you know, who's starting linebacker for the Rams, um, played very physical, um, you know, always played hard. And I think you playing downhill and you got a guy like Debo Williams, who's the same way, may not be as big, maybe a little undersized, but he plays fast and physical. And that's exactly what you want to see with those linebackers. I thought Brad Johnson was improved uh, too, and, and and like with Brad, you, you mentioned experience, and this is the first time I think he's played the same spot back to back. Yeah, been at Carolina. He's been at Carolina forever. I mean, I think he he, grad, he came in when you were graduating, so like like twenty years ago. But uh, no, yeah, but Brad Brad looks he looks more comfortable this year. Now he's always going to be a guy that's 
better suited to pass rush. You know, I mean, he's a pass rushing linebacker, but I, I thought just in terms of his assignments and stuff, he looked like he was more comfortable. Yeah, I tell you, you're 100% right. I think he's finally gotten his body to where he feels good and he can maximize his ability based on size and strength. I think when he was playing defensive end, he had gotten too big, too strong, and, it, and, he, and he got stiff. He couldn't bend in his hips very well, and he just looked real stiff. And I think now you've seen him kind of transform his body to more naturally where he's not too big and too stiff and no, no, not being able to bend and not being flexible. Um, and I think the strength staff has done one heck of a job with him and kind of transforming, trying to, you know, trying to get too big to be a defensive end, to be able to maintain, to get, then getting to, you know, that size to play, to play linebacker. And he played fast I and mean, he was all over the field, which is, which is good to see. You get, you see guys that think too much about what they're supposed to be doing and you just play slow. It's, it's, it's not read and react. It's read, think, then react. And, and that's what you don't want. You want to see guys that read and react um, to what they're doing. So it's been nice. It's been, I think those guys, it's clicked and it's been, it was really fun to watch that defense, you know, last Saturday, cause they flew around the field. Um, they knew what they were doing. And I think this coming week, it, I'm really interested to see what we do with Cam Smith. If we continue to leave Cam Smith inside, or if we, um, you know, or if we choose to, you know, for him to play outside, Georgia state did try to pick on dial a little bit. He was in position a lot of the times, but it just it felt it didn't really feel right. You know, he was beat a couple times, made up. But, you know, Georgia State was not really good at throwing the football. And, yeah. and accuracy is, it lacked. So, it is going to be interesting to see what happens there um, with Cam Smith if we choose to leave him inside or if we choose to uh, put him back at the corner and maybe a guy like David Spalding comes in and, and plays some of that nickel spot. What do you think? Uh, obviously, there's one, one key injury last week. It was R.J. Roderick, six plays into the game. Uh, what did you think about um, – Nick Emanuare from right there at Irmo, a true freshman. I thought, I thought he, looked, I well. he looked good. I tell you, that play, that that this, the that fourth down play was impressive. Um, I had to do a double take to see who that was because for a freshman to come in the first, hit, you know, one his first or second play as a college athlete to come in and really just stonewall. I mean, he looked like a he looked like a veteran out there at times. Now I think we all need to be you know need to be careful because we haven't really seen what he, what he can do in coverage from a coverage standpoint and Arkansas is really going to test that this week and making sure you know seeing how his you know how he does in coverage so I know RJ Roderick was really good in in the run game at times but you know historically over the past he hasn't been great in coverage and I think that's one thing we're gonna have to kind of temper the expectations to make sure that you know there's a lot that goes on with coverage responsibilities and Georgia State really didn't press that very much um, with what they did, you know, being that run first team to set up the pass. But that's, um, it, I was impressive. He played fast, he played physical, and that's, it's for a freshman coming in like that, um, not highly touted. It was really cool to see because, um, you know, he was kind of a camp evaluation that it was like, holy cow, this guy's a physical <laughs> specimen. He's an athlete that can run. And from a size standpoint, you don't see that very often. But being able to come in and pick it up mentally, and be able to understand the playbook has been has been very impressive. And um, I think you know, being able to see what he can do in coverage this week, I think is gonna is gonna go a long way. Um, you know, kind of how the rest of the season goes with him on defense. But you know, I think it's there. The physicality's there. That that was it. That run. That stop was impressive. Um, very yeah. impressive. Big difference between SEC football and and like camp when you're doing one-on-ones. But one of the things they loved about him in camp, they, they had him go line up at corner and cover a slot receiver, and he beat him. 
And, uh, and I tell you, that's the thing with him is he's a guy that could grow into, you know, f- from a coverage standpoint, from a physicality standpoint, grow into that, that, that nickel spot. Yeah. I agree with you there. I agree with you there completely. So, you know, Arkansas, they're going to use a lot of eye candy uh, before the snap. They're, they're very, very Kendall Browse to me is a very interesting offensive coordinator. I like him a lot because he'll do he's kind of like his dad. I mean, okay, if our personnel requires power run game, we'll do that all day. Uh, if our personnel can spread it five or wide, throw it all over the yard, we're going to do that. I mean, it's it's versatile. And I think we've seen the Bryles offense in three different forms uh, at Ole Miss, at Tennessee, and at Arkansas. You know, I think people are learning this thing. That's that that could be successful in the SEC. It was a Big 12 offense for a long time. A lot of people had questions. I always kind of looked out there and I thought, well, you know, everybody kind of loves Mike Leach, and who doesn't? You know, I mean, yeah. and, and his offense is going doing fine in the league. But I thought, ideally, for an SEC football team that's going to have to run the ball or that may not have the quarterback that can throw. I mean, the Browse system's good. Um, so he's going to test the eye discipline, uh, I think, of South Carolina's defense. And then uh, Arkansas, I, I, I just, I guess it, I got lost. Uh, this got lost on me. Their, their tackle is what, 6'9, 311? <laughs> Large man. That is a large man. That's a that's that's uh that's a Justin Sorensen plus right there, man. The Canadian lumberjack shout out. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, you know they're big up front, and I think when when you start t- talking about discipline and stuff like that, that's that's a secondary linebacker thing. Uh, and then you look at the defensive line um, versus their offensive line. Look. You got two four stars and two five stars starting up there for the Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. It's time. This is why you recruit these guys so yeah. they can go against the offensive line like this. Uh, I think that, you know, assignment football is going to be important. I want you to speak to that. And also, it's time for South Carolina's D line to at least compete and, and, and maybe bat 500 against these guys because, you know, the, the Arkansas has one of the best offensive lines in the country. Uh, but, you know, heck, that's why you go get Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens and Boogie Huntley as recruits and Jordan Strawn out of the portal and all those other guys. I mean, they, they were they're supposed to be good and they, they're all kind of veterans by now. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. I think I've said before, I mean, you win and lose football games in the SEC in the trenches mm-hmm. and you go back to when we had beaten Clemson five years in a row. Clemson had a dang good team. They had that, that their skill positions were littered all over the NFL, mm-hmm. every single one of them, years worth of them. But we beat them up front and we beat them in the trenches. We may not have had the better athletes, you know, overall, but we were a whole heck of a lot better in the trenches. And that's where we won those football games when you're able to get pressure on the quarterback and you're able to block to establish a run game. And I think that's, you know, like you said, with a lot of the motions and the movements, it's uh it's all about communication. Those guys gotta be, they gotta be talking, they gotta be communicating, they gotta know what 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 you're supposed to do based on different formations and 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 where these guys shift to. So that's an important piece is, is really, you know, good your eyes. Keep your eyes where they're supposed to be. Don't get caught up in all of that stuff. Um, know your assignment and, and do your assignment. I think that's what helps that with, with uh, you know, the, all that pre-snap movement communications. But, you know, a lot of with what Arkansas does, it starts with the quarterback. And the quarterback runs a lot. And, you know, he's a good athlete. Um, but they utilize him in all in all areas of the game. And so I think – you know, really having those guys on the edge with Strawn and Jordan Birch really setting the edge and not over pursuing and allowing KJ Jefferson to get, you know, to 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 get to the edge because once he gets to the edge, he, we're, 
you can get big chunk plays. And that's what we need to try to eliminate is the big chunk plays. Um, you know, maintaining your, 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 your run gaps, not, not over pursuing. And that's what the defensive line has to be really good at is, is being able to collapse the pocket from the inside and really get good push. Cause once you can collapse the pocket forces the quarterback one way or another. And so with Birch and Strawn really setting the edge and maintaining that edge discipline, it allows for them to, you know, to come in for the sacks tackles for loss. So that's a, that defensive line, those front four are going to be critical, you know, to the success that we have on Saturday. Um, you know, in the depth, you know, with with all the guys rotating in, um, it's going to be a team effort. But we got to be really good with setting the edge and we got to be able to collapse the pocket from the interior to be able to have a chance to be successful. And really just keeping K.J. Jefferson kind of in front of you, you know, don't don't let him outflank. You don't let him get out wide. There's going to be times where the pocket breaks down and he slides up and, and tries to go for a chunk run 20, 30 plays. And that's where those linebackers come into play, um, you know, really maintaining that discipline, knowing where you're supposed to be and and really break down and, and fundamental, you know, tackling fundamentally. Don't you know none of that arm tackling stuff and diving in your legs because he's a guy that you got to wrap up on. Or if you, you can't arm tackle him, yeah, or he's so, going to drag you down the field. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a, lot, a lot of what I like to call miscellaneous yards. And you, you talk, talk to you, you talked about him getting outside the pocket. Arkansas is really good at working the sidelines, by the way. They'll throw that little pass out to Trey Knox. He'll go – they'll do the receivers. But if KJ gets to the edge and he's got you outflanked and you come up and hit him, your corners, right, because your corners are probably giving up about 60 pounds in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, he will move forward for about two or three more yards. So, whereas a, a normal quarterback would probably gain four or five, he's getting eight. And if that's on first down, all of a sudden you're giving Kendall Brown second and third and two. And yep. it's over. I mean, it's over in that situation. So, uh, you know, I, I see exactly that. You got to get him on the ground. You got to contain Raheem Sanders. There's just a little, there's a lot to stop with Arkansas, I, I think. And their receivers have talent too. I mean, they're all big guy, bigger guys that uh, can, can beat you. So, all right, switch it back to offense real quick and then we'll, we'll run. Um, South Carolina, I think it's vitally important they do not let Arkansas get pressure with three or four tomorrow. Yeah. Mary Odom wants to do that all day because then he can drop everybody, and then Rattler's not going to have a hole. I mean, there's going to be flooded passing lanes. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, first down, especially, you know, first down is probably one of the most critical downs for this offense on Saturday, and being able to keep kind of Barry Odom at bay where he can't get creative. Barry Odom is very – very good defensive football coach, very creative, um, knows how to create pressure with di in different ways. So not giving him that flexibility to get creative because we didn't do a good job this past Saturday of handling the, you know, different, different blitzes. And you give Barry Odom that opportunity. It could make for a long day. I think, um, you know, being able to, to be successful on first down, get into those second, short, third, short situations where we can keep the playbook open. You know, I think, utilizing the screen game, the draw game is, is, is huge for us. And I know we haven't done that a whole lot. Um, even last year, we didn't do it a lot, but I think that running screens, running draws is critical. That can help kind of neutralize blitzes, um, calling plays that get the ball out of, out of, out of Spencer's hand a little bit quicker. Um, you know, I think Rattler did a, did a, did a good job of being patient. I think he kind of was a little bit quick, a um, little bit quick getting out of the pocket at times. And I think some of the, some of that pressure, you know, really kind of forced those decisions on him um, with us not being able to protect him well early. 
Um, I think tempo is another thing. Uh, you know, you go back to that first drive of the game on Saturday. We ran tempo, had some success. We were getting guys that uh, we were getting up and down the field. And after three or four plays, we just stopped. And it was like we just went to huddling. And so I think we need to be consistent with what we do. It's tough to go tempo, 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 and then slow it down and then try to get back to it. I think we need to be more consistent. Um, if we're going to go tempo, I think we need to stick with it. You know, there's going to be times where we may not have success and we may get pinned back, but I think we need to stick with it. I thought we did a good job of that, and guys were flying around, and um, you know, it puts a little, little, little bit, little bit of pressure on the defense to get back up there and go. And um, but I think tempo is a good uh, is another thing. Uh, you know, I I don't want to see us try to force the ball to Jaheim Bell as much. I, I felt like on Saturday it was it was forced. Um, I think we need to utilize him as part of the game plan and really make Arkansas plan for him, but use him at times as a decoy. Uh, there was times when we saw him in the backfield, it was like we tried to get him the ball. And, you know, maybe this week kind of utilize that as play action and, you know, get him out the backfield or utilize him in the screen game in different ways. But, you know, don't force it to him. And I think, um, you know, if we can get Marshawn Lloyd going a little bit earlier in this game, I think people are going to see just how special he really is and how, how much speed and quickness he has. Because there was some times on, on Saturday, last Saturday, when he gets into that open field, that he can he can really move and he's got some speed and he's got elusiveness and quickness that I think the the fans have been have been wanting to see. But I think the critical thing on Saturday is really having success on first down, being able to get into to second and medium, second and short situations um, is going to be is going to be big for us because once we start getting in second and long, third and long, obvious passing situations, and Barry Odom's able to get pressure, um, they can get creative and I think it can make for a long afternoon. Michael Flint, ladies and gentlemen, joins us. Uh, been joining us on Fridays uh, every week here. You can check out all of his uh, interviews with us uh, on the YouTube page if you missed it. Uh, under the title "Wando's World," <laughs> some alliteration there. Well, yeah, it's always good stuff, Michael. I really appreciate uh, uh, you. And so, so, you got a score prediction for tomorrow? You know, I think you know it's it's tough. Um, there's a lot of factors at play here. I think. I think Georgia State is a better football team than what we than, than what we gave them credit for. Um, you know, defensively, they were very disciplined. You know, I think if it weren't for special teams, that game is a whole heck of a lot closer in the fourth quarter than people anticipate. And I, I, I really think Georgia State's going to give North Carolina all they can handle this weekend. And I think at the end of the year, really going to see how good of a football team they are, how well coached they are. Um, as well, and I, I think South Carolina has has a good chance here. I think if we get back. To doing the, you know, like we said, perimeter blocking fundamentals. I think you know, Coach Satterfield can can get a game plan, but it's being able to to put these guys in positions to be successful. And when you have a, you know, you have a scheme, you got to make sure you got the guys that can play within the scheme. You know, everything sounds great in theory, but can you execute? And I think that's what we learned a lot about on Saturday is is execution. And what we're good at, you know, how what we're good at executing and what we may not be as good at with executing and seeing how we adjust from last Saturday to this Saturday. But I really think we got the talent. We got the skill guys that that can compete with just about any school in the SEC. And I like this team. I like the, you know, the, the, the leadership qualities that they have. I, you know, I think I think South Carolina has a very legitimate shot at winning this game. Um you know, it may not be potentially a high scoring game, but I think I think South Carolina wins this game. And I think it's you know, 27, I'm going to say Gamecocks, 27 to uh, 27, 24. 
Michael Flint, 27-24 Gamecocks. All right, man. Well, hey, we'll uh, he'll catch up uh, pretty soon, probably next yeah, week, next Friday, and talk about those Georgia Bulldogs coming to town. Wow. Uh, and I say wow because I, I sometimes I, you know, I thought Oregon looked terrible this past week. I mean, it didn't look like Oregon, but I, Georgia fans get on me. My Georgia buddies get on me for that. They're like, you're not giving us any credit. Oof. <laughs> hey, that's why that's kind of like what I said last week. It's it's uh everybody's got a plan until you get till you get hit in the mouth. And I think Georgia, they came out and man, it, it was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell you, offensively they made it look easy, but it was it was easy to see how they tried to set things up. They they really utilized certain plays to set up the next play or set up two or three plays away or the next series. And you could see Oregon's defenders at times look confused and didn't know what was going on. And that's a lot about what being an offensive coordinator is about, like I say, putting guys in positions to be successful. That's really it. Georgia did a heck of a job doing that. Um, And so, you know, Georgia looked good, but I think Oregon, Oregon got a uh, welcome, welcome to big boy football. Yeah. Yeah. Monk had had sold me last year, Georgia's OC in the championship game when Alabama clearly had like a liability at corner. He yep. spotted it. And he went right after him, and that was that yep. long, long touchdown pass from Bennett to I think Burton or or Smith one, yep. uh, and they changed the game, got him back on top, all that good stuff. Mike, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon, bud. Hey, enjoyed it, guys. Have a good one. Go Cox. Thank yeah, you, go Cox. Michael Wando Flint joining us, and uh, again, you can check out all of his uh, stuff uh, on the uh, podcast version, on YouTube full show version, and uh, we got a tab for him. Phil, send me the video. We'll put it up. It's Wando's World. Yep. On the, uh, the, the Big Spur YouTube page where we stream every single day. All right, Phil. Get us to break here. That's and, right. Uh, come back. And uh, Nana's Porch chat box has been active. What I want to start here when we get back, folks, because last 20 minutes of the week before a game, just give it, give, you, give us some predictions. Just give us some. What, what do you think? What do yeah, you think? What, what you feeling? The poll, all right, so it, it's kind of funny. I'm going to say this right before we go, and, and food for thought before we go. It's kind of interesting. So, William, Will Gunner, Bill Gunner, I call him WG. He's on 107.5 The Game. I'm on there uh, twice in the morning uh, during the week. Uh, I've been on – it's only been once the last two weeks because of carpool. But uh, <laughs> so he puts out a poll, and, and there's all these different – you know, Arkansas wins by more than seven – uh, is it close? What is it? And, and really, like, it's like 63% Arkansas wins by se- at least Ar- Arkansas wins. And then, like, 40% had like by seven or more. <laughs> so it's like 60. So, so his audience thinks 60 30 uh, Arkansas. And our audience is about uh, 60 40 Gamecocks. Interesting. Interesting, not at all. Um, okay. Sounds good uh, now to go to break, Phil. Yep. That. And uh, we will be back. We want to hear some predictions in the Nana Sports chat box. And Phil and I will give our final predictions of the week right here on Inside the Game Cox the Show after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. 
Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. All right, and we're back. All right. Yeah, all right, so getting down to it, about 15 minutes left. 
Nana's porch chat boxers are lively today. We appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. Rick says he's been having hog for at least one meal a day all week in preparation for tomorrow. <laughs> that would be bacon, ham, pork chops, pork, <laughs> pork sausage, sausage. So they say, they say uh, sausage. sausage. That's only sausage. Bears. I may get barbecue tomorrow just because of that. I'm gonna have some barbecue. Barbecue sounds good. Just don't invite our your your buddy. You remember? Get right here. <laughs> he who wears the belt buckle, because uh, he will be in the crock pot eating the crap out of it. Yeah, he will. I put some slaw and easy cheese on it. <laughs> Maybe a sco nice scoop of mayonnaise. You know? Jeez, oh, gross. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, that's good for Rick. Chris says one of the posters on TBS made a good point about Marshawn needing to be a little more patient. I read that. I don't know, man. As a running back, you are you need to be a patient runner, obviously. Um, but Marshawn, yeah, he gets up a full head of steam. I mean, you know, there were several times well, like if there's just one block that happens for a, a second, Marshawn's running for 40, 50 yards. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree to a certain extent. I don't think that's a big problem for him. Uh, AJM2 says the line in Vegas screams a USC cover. I think we'll win outright. Uh, last I checked, it was eight and a half. I think it went up a little bit. Maybe it's 10 now. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I think the game console cover. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick them to cover. I, I, I picked 34 21 Arkansas earlier in the week, but my final show prediction is probably going to be a little different. I'm going to adjust the, my camera there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I look like I was under, underground. Um, go Hogs, and one of our Arkansas people. We really mm -hmm. appreciate all you Arkansas fans uh, who have tuned in this week. A lot of nice comments. Uh, then one Gamecock fan who I guess doesn't like me. Uh, shocker, he's like a big gamer. You know, I looked up his profile. He's like, I can't believe J.C. Sherbert has a platform. I got, I got three. I got three or four of them, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Been doing it a while. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the YouTube channel and dropping your two cents. Now go go play Call of Duty and kiss my butt. Um, Craig says, "How much will we see Malik Hornsby?" Arkansas used him a bit the other day. He scares me, Craig. Honestly, yeah. he, he he would he should scare anybody. Uh, I've been harping on that since I just happened to be watching the Outback Bowl last year. Uh, Jefferson gets hurt or his helmet comes off. They put in Hornsby or just runs around left the left edge for like 25 yards in the touchdown. Yeah, but I think he's their little wrinkle this week. Like we're we're gonna see him. <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. So uh all right, Evan says quick slants or mesh concepts could back off the pressure from the linebackers. Um uh, that's good. Uh VJ makes a point he thinks Carolina's one year behind Arkansas. And this will be Carolina's year to play underdog and surprise people like Arkansas last year. I kind of agree with that. I think mm -hmm. you know, what Arkansas has accomplished over the last 14 games, they're established. They're, Phil, I, I, think, I think when you go and, and, look, you can debate how good Texas or A&M or any of these programs teams were last year, but you beat in the same season Penn State, Texas, Texas A&M, LSU. Uh, you knocked off the Pirate, Mississippi State. Um that's saying something, you know, that gets people's attention. Uh, yeah. The Auburn game was just fluky. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, I watched that one too. It was weird. It was uh, Arkansas didn't play as well in that one, mm -hmm. but they were very consistent, you know, considering where this program at Arkansas was in 2019. Yeah. Uh, where 
you know, in a, I mean, they got beat by Western Kentucky at home 45 19. Yeah, they were, they were, they were floating <laughs> down to the abyss. Or they were in the abyss, you know, to, to get them to where they are now, that's fine. Uh, Evan chimes in. I was not impressed with Bell running the ball either. He's running a bit timid, trying to stiff arm everybody instead of using his explosiveness when he hits the hole. You know, Evan, he, he, the thing about him is, too, I think maybe he was trying to be patient and not boom. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I like Jaheim, uh, Phil, getting the, getting about four to seven. He only had seven carries the other night. He did leave the team in rushing. Mm-hmm. I like Jaheim getting between four and six, four and seven carries again. Yeah, uh, scrimmage, maybe less, uh, you know, uh, if his touches are more in the passing game or whatever. I actually do like the Jaheim at fullback, give him the fullback dive. Uh, yeah. I think he's good at that. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see sort of what happens. Reminder that Christian Bill Smith is back this week, and so his carries have to come from somewhere. Uh, all right, so the predictions are rolling in on the Nantes chat box. Queasy says 42-24, good guys. It's a big time prediction there, man. Love to see it. <laughs> Jay says 31-28. Cox went on last minute field goal. Twisted chicken. 27-17 game Cox. We have believers. Dexter says 30 to 27. Good guys. John says the general 36. Private Portingham 26. <laughs> by, by the way, if you've ever been to an Arkansas message board, neck, you know, Arkansas and South Carolina probably have two of the like, you know, as far as all the usernames go, uh, the most creative mm-hmm. uh, out there, I think. You know, over there, like, they'll use sausage. Oh, that's part of like a big sausage, you know, things like big that. Sausage. <laughs> big sausage. Anyway. Uh, Daddy-O says, uh, I gave this yesterday, and it ain't changed. Cox 37, Hawks 24. Craig says, 27-23 game, Cox. I've not felt good about it all week, but a Beamer I trust. Clint says 27-24 Carolina was my prediction Tuesday night on Keith Allsep's Town Hall. That's locked on the Gamecocks podcast, by the way. I'll stick with that. Will definitely be a tough game. Evan says, here's to hoping Sat dials them up on Saturday. 41-38 Gamecocks. That'd be interesting. Uh, Will says 31-24 Gamecocks. Jamie Bradford's prediction. Jamie's already into the whiskey, it looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bradford, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> He's following your lead from last week. <laughs> I'm the beer at like 7 a.m. You know, go, Cox. Yeah. <laughs> you guys went 77 to 3. Rattler with 560 yards, five touchdowns. Jews 185-2. Bell 135-2. Lloyd 225 and 4. Juju 100 yard kick return. Would we take a knee uh, on the two before breaking 80? <laughs> Just so they don't feel too bad. <laughs> Spurrier be like, well, if I thought it was bad. They lost like that on homecoming in 2013. Right. <laughs> Carolina, boy. Oh, shoot. Shoot. Uh, Rick says 28-20. Good guys. Uh, Stacy says 34-17 game. Cuts. Big game from Josh Van. Interesting. Yeah, Josh. Josh Van, Austin Steiner, Xavier Leggett. Those are three guys I'm looking and, and Amari and Brown too. I'm looking for those guys to 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 be more of a factor this week. And I know I just mentioned like four guys. Uh, they're not all gonna, you know, if the Gamecocks have a lot of possessions and throw it 57 times a game, then then maybe. But uh, yeah, need need more out of uh, Van and Stogner in the passing game. So 
Happy, happy, happy. This is Gamecocks by two 50-plus yard field goals and two scoop and scores. Like a 20 to seven. And you, you, that would be – that would cause some conversation. Number one, I think like, – so to say they won 20 to seven with two scoop and scores and two 50-yard field goals, I think everybody would, like, love Clayton White, you know, in the defense. But I, I don't yeah. know that anybody would be too happy with the offense. Yeah. Saunders says, I want some of what Jamie's having. He says, not what I'm not sure what's funnier, the 77 or the three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't they get three. Oh, they get three. <laughs> we got three. Go hogs. Hey, he forgot to mention Kai Kroger not punting, but actually throwing for a touchdown. <laughs> oh, there <you> go. <laughs> yeah. last year. Yep. Remember that? The, the mm. Peyton By the way, congratulations to Peyton Mangrum. Uh, one, he's uh, the recipient. He got put on scholarship, but he also won the, the Panis. Uh, walk on yeah. scholarship with the Jake Panis. They one day we'll have Mr. Panis on and we'll talk about Jake and all that. It's kind of a, it's a sad but triumphant story. Yeah, and I won't hold it against him that he's an East Side grad. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> East Side Eagles, baby. You know, you know who else is an East Side grad? <laughs> Hale McGranahan. Is it really? And my ex-wife. And Andre. I knew Goodman. that. Yep. And Andre Goodman. Yep. So, you know, uh, Isak. Yeah, he's one of the better players they've had for a long time. Uh, Jamie's daddy said, Jamie said, leave the punt team at home. BJ said, JB, I love it. Pace yourself, broski. <laughs> All right. So, going back and forth with this game, I, you know, I told myself I got to base what I, my pick on what I see. There's going to be no big shocker pick this week like I did last week. I'm going to stay conservative. Uh, I, I, you know, now that I kind of think about it and have d- I dug into the, as, as Flint confirmed and some others confirmed for me, the perimeter blocking, that's stuff that's correctable. That's not like you're dead in the water. That's, uh, that's like, okay, guys, you know, y'all, you, you all screwed up the three point stance last week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, when you're coaching little kids or something, you, know, you, you couldn't get in your stance last week. So we're going to work on it in practice. And uh, you can, you know, these guys have done it before. They blocked before. I've seen those receivers block before. Yeah. Um, along with the offensive line. Um, that makes me feel a little better. I, I do feel like there's going to be some opportunities uh downfield for the Gamecocks in this game. Um I I, I don't make a whole lot uh out of uh you know, I like so you can't I've said all week, you can't replace Catalan, you know, and he's out because uh, he's special, special player. But I think they have an adequate replacement. Uh, back there, uh, and, you know, be careful with that, um, and, and all that good stuff. So, but I do think there'll be some opportunities downfield. Uh, I, I do expect a better blocking performance across the board. Uh, Arkansas's offense, I don't think Carolina's going to shut them down like they did uh, Georgia State, you know, and and only allow like drive at the end, drive at, you know. Uh, I think Arkansas will be able to put some points on the Gamecocks, and that's not. Probably not even indicative of what kind of defense the Gamecocks will have. Arkansas puts points on just about everybody, uh, the exception being Georgia last year with a historically great defense. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to go 31-26 Razorbacks. Mm. Uh, you know, and it'll be a sad loss because the Gamecocks will have their opportunities. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, uh, just like all of you. 
and I'll gladly be one and one on the year in my picks. I, I could care less about my picks. I don't even like making them anyway, Phil. Right. Yeah. I mean, I you know, what do we know? No, no. I hate them. <laughs> so the scenario uh, way is the way to go, but you know, you don't know what kind of scenarios. It's not, in, it's not compelling radio to, to give scenarios. I mean, yeah, that's boring. So anyway, 31, 26 hogs uh, on the road, that kind of thing. But I do think Carolina will give a, a good account of itself and, I think I just think this is a good football team, a good football program they're playing. I think they've learned how to win, but uh, not uh, you know the game guys might not quit be there yet. I'm gonna answer Ryan's question. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. I just said BJ Gibson was backing up in Amore. What do you know about him? He came in last year as a walk on from Navy. He's a six, he's about six three six four. Thought he looked really good in the spring game. Um, was a scholarship guy at Navy, then then, then that wasn't for him. So uh, he's from Atlanta, an Atlanta guy. Uh, probably didn't hear much about him last year, but he did play well in the spring game. I've I've got a lot of faith in, in B. I mean, the coaches, you know, the defensive backs coaches here, Torian Gray, basically, trust them. Mm-hmm. I've learned, uh, you know, oh, my God, Jalen Foster and Darius Rush are starting. Ah, they're going to get lit up in the secondary and, I think the game pass led the SEC in pass defense. Phil, give us your take and prediction, and we'll wrap it up for the week. All right. Well, like I said, I think uh, I think you need to get a bit more creative in the run game. I think Rattler needs to, you know, do a bit more intentional running and not just scrambling. Uh, I'd like to see Jaheim Bell's usage shift a bit more away from the run game or get a little bit more creative. Uh, but you still got to run the ball. I think you got to throw the ball to open up the run this week because you get a big old front <laughs> to go against, and you might be able to take advantage of a uh, depleted secondary, although not you know not completely depleted, but a little banged up. Uh, I think defensively, we see Cam be a bit more of a corner as opposed to the nickel, kind of move him to the outside. That way, you can focus our efforts into the middle of this defense. Uh, I see some good things on special teams happening, not necessarily some scooping scores like everybody wants to see, but, uh, you know, we're coming around, uh, you know, we can, we can flip the field, vertical field position, (laughs) vertical field position, although we do have the ability to, uh, uh, you know, make that happen for us. Now, that being said, you got a hell of a team we're playing (laughs) and they are probably a year ahead of us, but considering that. They won some games last year that they weren't supposed to. And I think we are going to have a fine showing on the road. And I see this game going 34-31 South Carolina. Big time pick, Phil. Big time breakdown. Big time fit pick. Uh, I'm kind of – I think Jamie Bradford's pick was outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. I love it. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. So does just to, to just to just to wrap a bow on this, Todd. Boom! Touchdown, DK. Bring out the batteries. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Craig also says I expect Anthony Rose to not redshirt. Do you think he does? I think he does right now. Um, Barring injury. Answer I got on. Well, he made those. Uh, answer I got on him. He's, he needs to get a lot stronger. Uh, and Clayton White alluded to that in the press conference this week, but uh, you know who knows? Yeah, the other guys, have, and that's that's kind of good because Rose is going to be one of the better ones, and he enrolled early. And then guys like Nelson and Floyd, and you know, K1 Banks got in last week. I mean, they 
they think they knocked it out of the park with this secondary class they signed in 2022. I, I, I was probably not as high on the group as, as, as the reality, you know, mm-hmm. of it. And uh, Greg says Flint Fridays are great. I'm a, I was afraid we'd never hear from him again when JB and Goldwater pulled the plug. Nah, yeah. mm-hmm. but when we started this, he was one of the first guys I wanted to have on, and, and I guess you you guys saw why. I mean, that was that was a tremendous breakdown. We've had two good breakdowns with GA Mangus and Michael Flynn back to back. That was pretty cool. All right, folks, enjoy the game tomorrow. There's only 12 game days that you're guaranteed. Yeah, hopefully 13, hopefully 14, 15 sometimes, but. Uh, 12 in a year, and uh, so enjoy it. Uh, noon kickoff, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, ESPN will do the televising, so you should be able to catch it at your favorite watering hole if you're not in Fayetteville. For those of you in Fayetteville, have a safe trip um, and all that good stuff. And uh, Bradford has another hot take. I wish people would take it easy on the virtual deal at UT. He's completed 100% of his passes, just the wrong team. Yes. There was a moment in the game last night where no passes had been dropped, but they, you know, weren't necessarily all thrown to the right players. <laughs> McVeigh. Anyway, for Phil Mullinax, it's JC Sherbert. Uh, thank you so much to all our sponsors and all of our listeners, our Nana Port, Nana Sports chat boxers. It's always live. Uh, all of our wonderful guests we've had all week will be back uh, on Monday to talk about the game, to review everything. Uh, probably have a guest or two Monday, I guess. Uh, and also, uh, you guys. We appreciate all of your numbers. Our audience numbers are going uh, crazy through the roof. Don't forget Manscaped, 20% off code Big Spur. And, uh, gosh, I'm having I'm having trouble letting go today, Phil. I know, man. You just want to keep it rolling, right? Keep it rolling. But, uh, it's been fun, y'all. We've had a great week. Yeah, we've had a great week. So we'll talk to you on Monday. For Phil Mullinax, J.C. Sherbert, this has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Enjoy the day tomorrow. Again, there's only 12.